Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God having a couple that got married like four months ago praying for a couple that's about to get married so a lot of marriages in this church a lot of babies so promotional tool you know if you want to get married join river city <laughs> unless you're already married then that would just be weird and you need somebody to sit down with you i'm going to jump right in actually first i need to tell you um, there's a couple changes happening at river city so now that we're in our space we actually have staff i don't know if they, many of you knew that James um, leads worship, worship pastor. Uh, Amelia has been doing finance. Amelia's right here. Raise your hand. She comes in one day a week to help with stuff. And so Jordan has been doing small groups. And starting tomorrow, starting this week, he's going to start coming in two days a week to do um, small. We're going to call him the connections pastor. Basically, it's anybody coming into the church and anybody in the church that needs to connect to a healthy life group. So I can't express to you how important this is, especially for a church like us who's growing right now, that when people walk through the door, we don't put on a show, right? Like it's not, one of my least favorite things I've learned in ministry is give people the five-star experience, which actually leads us into becoming a business of Christianity. I like to treat people like family. I think that's the better way to say it. But that doesn't just happen randomly. You know, when you fall in love with people and other people walk in and watch love happening, people just feel like they want to be invited into that, and so we need ways to do that. That's what Jordan's going to do. Um, that's his office right there. So that's James' office right over there. If you want to stop by and see them, they'll be here on Wednesdays. Um, anyway. All right, so jumping into the Word, um, I feel really strong about this Word. I say that every week. I jumped into it last night. I was sharing with Sarah some of my thoughts, and she was like, you're really jumping in too deeply to that. You know, you need to back off a little bit, uh, just because this is kind of it's messing with my heart a little bit. The, whenever I study Jesus in Scripture, it messes with my heart. I sat down with Eric this week and talked to him about it, and I, I know what I'm supposed to preach when I start to read it and I start to cry about it, and, and my heart starts to weep a little bit. 
And that's what happened with this. And again, we're in living in love and we're just walking through some of the main things about our church. I just want to read you that real quick. So this is what we would say is maybe the main first thing, not more important than the word, I understand that, but this is one of the things that we want to see our church. Uh, And this is the description. We desire to be people who liberally love and give grace. We spend time, we encourage, we fight for unity, we are community. At RCC, there is always room at the family table for everyone, and we prefer to focus on what binds us, Jesus. So pull up a chair. Sarah wrote that. I think it's beautiful. So that's what we're in. This is the second. There's going to be one more week of this, and then we're going to jump into something else. So um, today I just want to start by recapping last week. We, we started with John 13, verses 1 through 17. And really, like, if you were here, the thing that we asked you to understand was that Jesus, remember at the end I asked you to kind of picture Jesus walking over to you and kneeling before you. Close your eyes, and then when he gets in front of you, he starts to take off your shoes, and I wanted you to interact with that. That's the love of Jesus. That's what he desires to do. And it's important to know that because you're going to be unable to transform a community if you haven't been personally transformed first. If it's just what you can accomplish, then people are still going to be distant from the way that you can love. But if you're doing it as an outflow of what's been done to you, it's real. And so you have to have a moment in your life where the Savior who created all kneels in front of you in the posture of a servant and washes your feet. And until that happens, you just can't really live out the gospel. And so I I, I challenge you so, and people actually told me that they really feel like Jesus did that for them. Walk up to you, let him serve you. Don't be Peter and tell him not to serve you. And then be zealous guy, wash all of me, Lord. He's not asking for that. He just wants you to sit there humbly and watch the Savior of the world take off your shoes and wash your feet because it's a representation of the cross, right? And we talked about how this was a picture of him taking off his God clothes and becoming a slave for you. And that's what the cross is. That's him serving you. You have to accept that. And I think for me, um, what he's trying to do here is teach people this whole new way of loving. And I know for me, like when I interact with grace, and I know all of you guys went to the Graham Cook concert, and I heard one message, not concert, but it was a message on grace. And I think there's, once you've experienced grace, there's something you just love about it. And the moments when you get it, you don't want to leave it. I remember when I was maybe a year into being a youth pastor, really feeling insecure, just honestly, feeling like I wasn't a good youth pastor. I wasn't a good youth pastor. It was actual. Um, I was super insecure, always trying to perform, always trying to compete with other youth pastors, trying to be important. And I just felt this weight, like an, an extreme amount of weight. I don't know if you've ever felt the kind of weight where you almost can't function because there's something so heavy or something that you're dealing with so strong and you don't want to talk about it to people because it just maybe is embarrassing. It was one of those moments for me where it was like something's either got to happen or I'm going to need to take a breather or a a year sabbatical and get away and I was only like a year in. I remember I showed up to this service where um, at a church that was near us, this giant church and I wasn't pumped to be there um, and I was sitting in the, in the balcony next to Sarah, and I, f- I felt this moment, literal, it's one of those moments like we all have with Jesus, but a literal moment where I felt actual weight lifted. It wasn't just a thought like, you know what, his grace is sufficient. It was a like, oh, this is awesome. I've ever had a moment like that where it like happens, and you don't really, can't really explain it, and I was changed by that, and I just remember thinking, I want more of this, 
And then I remember the challenge that he gave me, which is what we're going to read in this passage, is I want you to love each other the way that I have loved you. And that's different. So each of us has a limit to how much we're going to love somebody. So question for you to start. There's going to be like three questions today. What's your limit to where the moron stops being loved? Seriously, like, what's, what's your limit when he just went too far? That same year I was a youth pastor, there was a kid on a bus with me. And there were a bunch, we were in a youth ministry that maybe just had a lot of low-income families, meeting a lot of needs, it was awesome community. And there was a bunch of, like, uh, insecure high school girls. Not that every high school girl is insecure, but our ministry had a lot of them that were struggling with stuff. And this young man, like, started laying into them on the bus in front of people. And he was making fun of them. He was calling them things in front of me. <laughs> and I'm the youth pastor there to set the example for, like, especially these young women. I take this kid off the bus. Can I just be really transparent with you guys? I was this close to losing being able to be a youth pastor. I took him off the bus and physically was like, I will own you if you do not <laughs> shut. And literally in front of the whole, so all the kids are like. And I, I was so mad where my hands were shaking. And I, like if he would have done something, there's a high probability that I would have showed him that I had more power than him. And I said things to him and and like, I totally revealed his insecurity, and in the process revealed my insecurity. He went from sharp, angry teen who was blasting these girls to this kid. The real kid showed up for a moment. I saw in his eyes this insecure young man who doesn't have a father at home, who doesn't have anyone pouring into him. And I saw, I revealed that in him, because the limit of my love stopped because I felt like protecting them was more important. I didn't understand. And of course you protect the one that's being harmed. But what's the limit? Like what's the thing that if this happens, the Jesus conversation stops. You shut your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Me and Eric were talking about it last week because we were sharing this passage. And he said, you know, we talk a big game when we talk about loving your enemy. You know, but if ISIS shows up at my door, this is, he always has a good comment. And, he, and ISIS says to me, I'm going to kill you and your family. You know, <laughs> where does love stop, you know? Because we talked about it. Can I, I'm just going to be honest again. Like, I'm probably fighting in that moment. You know, I'm, I'm not like, oh, please, take my family. I love Jesus. You'll see at the end of this passage I'm about to read, Peter has a spontaneous moment of being an idiot that he's totally forgiven for, you know? But I just want to I I ask you, you know, if we're going to talk about living in love and being the community that when people walk in, they feel like family, then you have to kind of know where your limit is. And you have to kind of know that people live beyond your limit and that Jesus are going to find all the people that live beyond your limit and bring them right to you. And, and you're going to have to interact with them because that cultivates the best experience for you to show Jesus. If everything's perfect, and everyone's smiling, and it's all great, and the worship is beautiful, and look at these pretty walls and the space. If everything is good, there's no need for Jesus in that. Jesus exists to show a kind of love that happens when everyone else would hate. The moron. We've been that. I've been that many times. So, um, the canvas here in this passage, again, I just want to read it to you. They're, they're having dinner. I just, they just finished washing his disciples' feet. They don't like it. 
They're, they're not pumped that he washed their feet. None of them would wash each other's feet. There's, there's disciples that are talking about who's the greatest out of all of us. And then, then there's Judas in the room with him. And Jesus knows that Judas is about to betray him. So, and Judas is just not a random dude they picked up. Judas has been living with Jesus for months. You know, you go on a trip with somebody for a week. We went on a trip a few weeks ago. You know those people better than anybody, right? Just one week. These dudes have been living together all day. They've been fighting bugs together, drinking water from creeks together. They've been killing things to eat together. This is someone really close to Jesus, and this person's about to betray Jesus. And this is the passage. This is kind of the fruit of that conversation. So I want to read you this. You can pull up John 13, verses 18 through um, 30 to start. I think it's up there. Yeah. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those of you I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified. I tell you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. His disciples started, stared at one another at a loss to which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, as Jordan was saying. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, just think about what's happening here. Like, this is all happening in the context, like sneakiness. Simon Peter motioned to him, and he was like, ask him which one he means. Who, who's about to betray? Probably not in that kind of attitude. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping a piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas, Judas took the bread, horrifying couple words here, Satan entered him. Yay! What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Jesus had, Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give, him, give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Father, this is the living word. This is interactive Jesus. This is not a book. This is only important because it's you. This is you, and when we read it, we are talking with you if we read it correctly. It is active, it's alive, and it's living. And you told stories so that we would read them today, so that we would interact with them and have to wrestle with things. We wrestle with this with you today. Help us to wrestle well, open up our hearts, even remove the, the things we think we know from the past. Remove the things that there's an us and them. Remove this idea that we're the winners and they're the losers. Remove this idea that we're better than people. Help us to be ministered to today by Judas, enemy of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. So a question I've always had when I read this passage, and I just try to look at this pretty honestly. So that's awesome. Is that Talia? Yay! <laughs> that used to be like my not favorite sound in service, but I feel like it's the best picture of family. So that's a brand new baby. Yay, bacon. All right, so I'm going to continue. So a thing I wrestle with in this passage is it, it clearly says something that doesn't happen. 
they don't know who Judas is. They don't know who the enemy is, and he says to them, whom I'm about to dip this in, the, in this to and give to, that's the enemy, right? Like it, makes, like, it makes total sense. If I'm watching that, I'm like, oh, that's the enemy. Nobody gets it. And to me, this is one of those passages when I was reading, I was like, something's either missing here because they still don't get it after he does this. So I started to dig into this, and it started to break my heart. And here's why. It starts this passage, and Jesus is troubled. Jesus is human. This is maybe one of his most human moments. He's starting to, he deals with some of the emotion we deal with. He feels betrayed. And so why do, why do they not know who the enemy is? You know, like, it's, it's stinking Judas. He just dipped it. Look, guys, look. Well, here's why. The way that they set up this dinner and this setting is there's always a host, and this particular situation is Jesus, and there's always the seat of honor in a, in a gathering like this. And the seat of honor is always to the left of the host. And so when you look at this passage, freak your mind out. Judas is sitting in the seat of the honored guest, which means before this meal, Jesus has asked him to sit in the seat of the honored guest. Not only that, and I won't, this is where Sarah was like, just calm down, buddy. You got a lot of info, but calm down. (laughs) But a sign of great respect for anyone at a meal would be to give them something from your plate, which is what he does to Judas. So not only is he not ratted out as maybe the worst enemy to the gospel that's ever been, but the exact opposite happens in this setting. He's Jesus' homeboy right next to him. And yeah, John was laying his head on Jesus, but also Jesus was laying his head on Judas. And so the reason he could hear him whisper was because he was right here. Jesus' enemy is in the seat of honor which means he protected who was about to betray him. I'm just being honest with you. In any other setting, it, it, it works out totally differently. It works out that Jesus has, any of us, we've gathered these disciples. This is the most important thing that's ever happened. We're with the Savior. He's about to die. We, we're taking his gospel. I've had a conversation. Listen, there's a dude that is not in on this. I don't know what's going on with him. I haven't done anything to him. I'm, I think I'm guilty of this this week. He's, we gather our support, and just imagine like the different way that this works. Judas walks in, and everybody's like staring at him, like, hey, Judas, what's up, buddy? You got something you want to share to everybody? Oh, you don't? Yeah, that's because you're an idiot liar. <laughs> we all hate you. Here's, here's, here's my favorite thing about Jesus, and here's my favorite thing about why he tells us to love him. If there's even like this much of a chance that somebody would say yes to him he'll do whatever it takes to get that to them so he would take the biggest enemy the only enemy in the group give him a seat of honor even so much so that when he says whom i'm about to give this bread is the enemy and give it to him and they still don't get it that's how protected he was no clue because to jesus the opportunity that this person could still maybe say yes to what he's trying to do was more important than protecting his reputation. Jesus didn't struggle with his identity at this point. See, this is where we, as humans, this happens to me. I'm like, am I a terrible leader? Like, did I preach awful to them that day? Why is there somebody who's against me? Do I need to protect myself? We start forming these ideas on, I need to make sure these people understand that's not what I meant. You know, we're telling all the other disciples, you know, listen, he's saying I'm not the Savior, but I really am. You know I am. 
You know my heart, right? Bless Judas's heart. You see what I'm saying? You smell what I'm stepping in? A little southern flair in there? Bless Judas's heart. But I think that he needs to be sat down. He doesn't care about doing that. Losing his reputation in that instant didn't matter to him. What mattered to him was this is a person, and this is another one, who's about to go into the night, which is like John's little way of saying more than he's going out into the woods in the night. Jesus is thinking, this might be the last chance for this human to have what I came to bring. And so, I'll do whatever it takes even in this instance. Even if it's halting true conversation about the most important vision ever, I'll make this dinner about giving him another chance. And he even says, him who I send is accepted as mine. And in a moment, you see, he's sent not with Jesus' blessing. Go and do what you must do, right? Because Jesus does not want this person to go into the night. The night for Jesus in this situation is the opposite of following God. And the night for anyone ends in death. The night is, is away from, from light. It's away from Jesus. And Jesus doesn't want that for anybody. So just stir in your heart. Who's your Judas right now, you know? Who's your Judas that, that you don't deserve to be attacked by? Not even the one that you kind of deserve to be attacked by. That's more us. Like, we did something to him. He did, it's like even. But who's the one that's like, this doesn't even make sense. I can't even make sense of this. I've done nothing. That's a Judas in your life. And that's an opportunity for you to be the strongest version of Jesus that you've ever been. That. Because what Jesus brings is totally different. Jesus brings this whole new way to love that means you give love to the most unworthy, that you love ISIS, you love the enemy, that men would kneel before men with knives in the name of Jesus and have their heads severed for the sake of the gospel. This is the version of the kind of love that he's asking us to go forward with. So I'm just asking you guys today to interact with what Jesus is trying to do here. There are people who don't know Jesus. There are people in your life that are attacking you that don't know Jesus. And Jesus wants us to know that what's more important isn't that, you're, that you're, everything's brought to light and it's going to be okay. The point is this person doesn't know Jesus. Even if they smack you once, turn the other cheek, you know? Even if they call you things you're not. Even if they call you things you are. To what distance will you go to let them know that your Savior is real? And this hurts, what I'm saying right now, if you've never had your feet washed by a Savior. But if you have, then this maybe excites you. And I just pray that we would be the community that would not just find, I say this so much, similars and likes. Let's not just gather all the same people. That's not the gospel. That's not the kingdom of heaven. In heaven, there's all kinds of crazy people unified. Everybody is unified completely. And I'm a little lost, but that's okay. The story could have been way worse. Um, a zinger, maybe. Not my zinger. But sometimes the best form of love is a cross. You know, sometimes the best form of love is you dying. It's not you feeling happy or receiving a love letter. Think about this story, you know. Think about if Judas would have been attacked by all the disciples that day. Think about the, the repercussions of this. Jesus reveals Judas. The disciples get mad at him. I bet somebody would have killed him. Somebody cuts an ear off later that day, right? Like somebody cuts a dude's ear off. And then Jesus is like, <laughs> Jesus, it's just, but think about this. Jesus reveals Judas, Judas known as enemy. Judas probably in some form attacked by disciples. Judas not allowed to leave that meeting. 
People don't hear where Jesus is. People don't come get Jesus. People don't take Jesus to a cross. Jesus does not die on cross. Sometimes love is a cross. Sometimes it's, it doesn't make sense. And it won't make sense. And you won't see the outcome. But sometimes it's a cross. And that's what Jesus did for us. And so there's your zinger. I hope it zung. It zung forward. So I want to read you um, the last part of this passage and then we'll close up in a second. Um, you can bring up verses 31 through 38. I'll read from here, you read from there. Now this is after, now think about it like this. Judas is now gone into the night, right? The night, you know? And now this is the part I struggled with the most in this passage because they're able to now have conversations they weren't able to have before, which to me is, I like to, I want to include everybody. Even if I have an enemy, like, in this room, I want them to know, like, uh, you can punch me in the face, don't punch me in the face. I don't want that, but, but they're able to have conversation now that there's not a betrayer in the midst that they weren't before, you know, and I love how Jesus doesn't act like, oh, nothing's happening, you know, we're going to love Judas, let's share all our secrets with him so he can, Jesus uses wisdom. He uses the first part of this conversation to try and reach Judas, to give him an opportunity. And the second part, he dives into maybe my favorite couple sentences of the New Testament after he's gone. That's just the reality. When there is betrayal in the midst of a community, you don't have the kind of conversation you could have. That's why I think you're honest about it with each other. If this person over here has offended this person or vice versa, you've got to talk about it. When that stuff's in the midst... It doesn't matter how spiritual it gets. It doesn't matter how many spiritual gifts are zinging everywhere. If there's betrayal and disunity in the midst of a community, the gospel will not go forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the, the avenue, the gospel. That's the car it's driven in, unity. And so they're able to have conversation, and this is the conversation they have after a betrayer has left. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son himself and will glorify at once. I just want to share it right here. Glory to Jesus looks different than it does for us. Jesus is about to die. Jesus is about to be betrayed, and he's holding up a trophy. He didn't just preach an amazing sermon. He's about to be kilt, K-I-L-T, and he's holding up his trophy there, right? He didn't just win an award for preaching at a at Catalyst conference. He's about to be kilt. And he is being betrayed. And he's saying, the Son of Man is glorified. Glory to Jesus looks totally different than it does to us. Do all your awesome stuff, people, because God's given you awesome gifts. But you need to know that you never look more like Jesus than when you're sacrificial. Than when you're less important than the people around you. And then you can hold up your trophy and say, the Son of Man is glorified. Amen? I feel like I felt that more than y'all, but I'm good with that. So here we go. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I have told the Jews, so I tell you, where I'm going, you cannot come. And here it is. Here is um, here's really what living in love is built around. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, this is painful and beautiful. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The defining, the most distinguishable characteristic of whether or not you are a Christ follower is not 
how trendy you look or how cool the coffee you drink is. It's not even if you like Bethel the most or Catalyst the most. I said Catalyst. Sorry. It's if you love one another the way that Jesus loved you. That's not super hard. You don't have to go to some school of something to learn that. You have to be served by a Savior, and then you have to repeat. And the way that he does it here, he does it right on the heels of washing everybody's feet and teaching people how to be betrayed and not fight an actual enemy. So here's how you love the way that Jesus loved. You have an enemy fighting you, don't rat him out. Be strong enough in your ID that it doesn't come from community, right? Community is the avenue, but your ID doesn't come from community. Your ID comes from him, and that outplays in community. Be strong enough to love your enemy and protect your enemy. That maybe to me, if I'm not there yet, I want to be there. I maybe talk like I'm there. When you protect someone who's trying to harm you and you know you're not wrong, you are being very Jesus-like. That's so hard. And the second thing is, be willing to serve people. You know, you want to talk about like God gave you this word that you're going to be, you know, the king of a nation. He told me I was going to be king of a nation. People are going to serve me. Be careful about the words people have given you. Here's how you know if they're not from him. Does it glorify you over other people? You just need to put that in the trash can. Because you never look more like Jesus than when you're kneeling before others and they look more important than you, right? Sit at the seat least importance and let me call you to the one that's more important. You know, I used to get so mad at conferences with pastors where I was from, and they would all park in these good spots, and they would all sit in these good seats, and we would all honor them and sing la-la-la songs to them. It didn't make any sense. It's opposite biblical. You never look more like Jesus than when you don't fight an enemy and when you serve everyone. Does that make sense? So, and this is what his challenge is to us today. I don't have a clock in here, so that's more sorry. I don't really care because I feel like we're good. So the challenge to you and me and all of us really is, I guess there's two challenges. Same as last week. Have you been served by him yet? A dangerous Christian is one who feels like they've been served but is still kind of earning what they're getting because then you put pressure on other people to earn. But the one who's been served so well and freed so well can do that for others, right? I want to read you a couple passages and you can just follow along with me. I would jot these down if you're a note taker. I'm just going to shoot through them. You can pull them up, Jessica. This is 1 John 2, 7 through 11. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have already had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth, it's seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. This is saying that if you hate a brother, you don't even know how to be led by the Lord. If you have something against a brother or sister, you don't even know how to be led by the Lord. It's, it's an impossibility. There's something in there that's blocking that. Another passage says, so leave your, leave your gifts at the altar and go make right with brother and sister what needs to be made right. Can you go to the next one? I think this is Old Testament, kicking it old school style. Leviticus 19, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, 
but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is before Jesus. Can you go to the next one? Is there one more? I think there might be one more. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I think that's it. Is that right, Jessica? There's one more. I'm glad. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So, the word for you. The challenge for you. I want to interact with a few questions. And James and Julia, you guys can go ahead and come. But I do want you to take time with these questions that I'm about to ask you. The first one is, maybe from last week to this week, is there like a character in this story that really resonates with you? You know, like, I mean, honestly, some of us are Judas, you know. Maybe it's Peter. Like, in this passage, um, Peter makes a mistake, you know. And I was talking to Eric about this. Like, I want to look at ISIS and be like, say the right thing, you know, and and I want to, like, watch the videos and see this happening and be like, I would be that way. But the truth is, you know, we have these moments where we do the dumb thing and we didn't plan it. Like, Peter's like, I will never deny you, Jesus. Are you crazy? And Jesus is like, you're going to deny me three times before this day is over. And he does it. And he would have bet everything that he wouldn't, right? And I think this is the grace that Jesus has for you and me. Like, we don't want to be Judas where we have this plot and scheme to do it our own way our whole life and not be impactable by Jesus. But Peter, like, he wanted Jesus. He was emphatic about Jesus, but he made mistakes. And here's what I love about how Jesus saw Peter and how he sees you. Jesus saw all of Peter's weakness. Jesus saw his true love, and Jesus saw who Peter was going to become. And I, I believe that's for somebody here. Jesus sees who you're going to become. You don't even know it yet. You don't. You don't even know that you're going to betray him three times. He sees even beyond that to this person that he's destined you to be and called you to be where you're doing things for him out of selfless love that you never even thought of. Kurt, Kurt Miller here. It's cool that you're here. I mean, just hearing stories. I used to preach at Dominion, and there would be, there's these stories about this guy that started praying in a room. Like, what high schooler goes and prays in a room at, in the morning and does these crazy things? And I was at your school once. I made one of the biggest speaking mistakes ever. I had a sermon set that I was dead set on preaching, and I felt like a lethargic emptiness at this point in the school and the kids, and I asked him, I was like, so bold, I was like, I just, wanna be, I just want you guys to be honest with me. Like, Christian school, who, who in here actually is living for Jesus? And like four people out of hundreds raised their hand. I went right into my sermon. I was like, that's not a big deal. <laughs> I've got a sermon prepared on a different thing. I wish so badly I would have just stopped right there and been like, but there was a Kurt Miller at that school who would pray in the mornings and like, you probably got made fun of. Maybe not. You're a cool, attractive guy. And this guy now is a missionary to Turkey doing the Lord's work. And so I don't even know how I got to where I just got. I'm not even sure, but I think you're awesome. Who do you relate to in this story? You know, that's what it is. Jesus saw in Peter something Peter didn't see in himself. Start now, you know, like, go all in for Jesus now, you know. We're, we're going to get to community transformation because we don't believe, we believe this community, we're here for this community, not for pretty buildings. We believe we're called to be out there, you know, giving Jesus in our city, missionaries to our city. So I speak this over you. 
You see in yourself failure. You see in yourself awful things. You see recent failure. Jesus sees 2.0 you. Jesus sees version of you that's doing things that you, your brain can't get right now. Jesus sees a version of you that he'll lead you into if you let him do that, right? I just pray that you can. I'm going to pray and let you guys respond. Um, I'm just going to pray for a moment, and I'm going to pray that he begins to stir. Would you guys mind standing with me? To, to me, one of the most signifying things about when Jesus is kind of ministering to my heart is this feeling of like redemption and hope and kindness. It's not the opposite. It's not this condemnation, like this feeling of like overwhelming shame. That's not the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is He draws us to repentance through kindness. It's a hopeful check in your spirit, right? So just, just let Him lead you today. And I'm just gonna pray, Father, that if there happens to be an enemy maybe even in this room for somebody. Help them to hand over their heart to you, you know. Help them to see that you protect their reputation. It's not their job to protect their reputation. Help them to see that there may be something bigger involved. Help them to get their identity from you and not this situation. I'm just going to speak that right over you right now. There's situations happening in particular people's lives and you feel like your identity has been ripped from you. Your identity doesn't come from the situation. It comes from Jesus and that was settled. That's already been settled. That was settled a long time ago. 1 John 1, 1.9, you are now a new, in 2 Corinthians, you are now a new creation and if you're faithful and just to confess your sin, your nature, you're going to have a new one. Your new nature is that you are a child of God. You're in his family. You're not a part of a business. You're not a slave. You're a son and a daughter who is called son and daughter in a family with a new identity, a new bloodline, all that comes with that royal family. That's your identity, not the situation. Don't pull out your guns and start to shoot everyone who's hurting you. Put them away. Wash somebody's feet. Do what you can because the night could be coming for these individuals and that's worse than losing your reputation. We don't want anyone to go off into the night away. Even if there's a sliver of hope, send what you can. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much. If our prayer teams would come and just be available on the sides, you can interact with them. We're just going to worship a little bit. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.